If you'll take your Bible this morning, let's turn to 2 Peter, chapter number 1. 2 Peter, chapter number 1. We began looking at last week the keys to spiritual growth. And we saw the very first foundational principle of uh, growing as a believer is to uh, be spiritually diligent. These things that we're talking about adding to your faith. The Lord wants us to get serious about adding these things to our faith. You've got to be spiritually diligent. They're not just going to automatically happen. It's not going to just take place because now you're saved and, and here we go with the Christian life. No, you have to want to grow and grow on purpose. Someone has compared the epistle of Second Peter to a, a spiritual pep talk. In a way, that's a good comparison Last week, uh, we saw that he was writing to some believers that were uh, going through some especially difficult times. Kind of helps when I turn this on. Okay. Um, They were going through some difficult circumstances, and he wanted to encourage them to get up, stand up, and move out for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, And we need to be encouraged in the same manner. It takes every bit of diligence and effort a believer can muster along with the enabling power of the Holy Spirit in order to properly grow and mature in Christ. And if you don't want to mature in Christ, there's something wrong. Okay? If, you're, if, you're, if you're just satisfied with status quo, well, here I am. I'm, I'm saved and on my way to heaven. You ought to check up on some things because that's not natural. You ought to want to grow in Christ. You ought to want to become more like Christ. And we did study last week that challenge in verse number 5. And we're going to read verse number 5 again because we're dealing with the very first thing that we're to add here. Let's read verse number 5. Beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. We're going to stop reading right there because it's just going to cover the one and Basically, I want you to understand that every believer falls into one of three categories. Some believers are babes in Christ, and that's a new believer. Uh, The Bible mentions two types of babes in Christ, one of them being a new believer, uh, a person who has recently born again into the family of God. A birth, we know, is usually a joyous occasion, amen? Uh, We're rejoicing for the one saved Friday. Uh, into in the, the, the hospital there and praise God uh, that's a joyous occasion anytime somebody gets saved from sin and delivered from hell we, we should rejoice over the birth of someone into the family of God just as we rejoice over the physical birth of someone in our family or the family of folks that we know. I, I remember when my uh, daughter and son were born. I was there in the delivery room for both of those. I remember the joy that it was when they were born. But you know, we didn't want them to stay in that condition. We wanted them to grow. In fact, we, we nurtured them that way. We nurtured them to grow uh, in, physically. And there, you know, there's nothing wrong with being uh, a babe or a baby. In fact, the new believer should not be expected to be mature, uh, but to be a babe in Christ. We know that you know, babies have to be fed with milk early on. 
and, and that's true in the spiritual realm too. It's, uh, we're not talking about uh, uh, actual milk. We're talking about the milk of the word. They're, they're not developed enough to be able to digest uh, some deep portions of the scripture. They have to be taught. And uh, Peter said over in 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Babies are not born knowing how to walk right either. Um, they have to be taught. First they have to learn how to crawl and then learn how to walk. You know, that's a picture of, of a believer also. Uh, they don't have, people don't know how to walk when they first get saved, first get born again. They have to be taught those things. Babies are not born knowing how to talk right either. They have to be taught. Babies are born spitting up. You know, babies are born messing up. Uh, but we, you work with them until they grow into maturity, don't you? Um, another type of babe is the person who has been born for some time, and yet they still show forth the characteristics of a babe because of their lack of maturity. Listen, there comes a point where a baby ought to grow up. Amen. It ought to be a continual, pro gradual process of growing into maturity. You ever told one of your children or one of your grandchildren, uh, quit acting like a baby? You know, well, that's good, good uh, uh, for a believer too. There, there comes a time when you need to quit acting like a babe. You need to grow up in the things of the Lord. Understand that a person's development and growth as a believer may be stunted for uh, at least one of two reasons that I know of. Some believers have not properly been nurtured into maturity. That is, they've not been discipled. Uh, as some believers, uh, number two, have, have refused to grow up into maturity. They are what we would call uh, carnal rather than spiritual. In fact, there's a couple of places in Scripture that address this. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, I'm not going to have you turn there, but I do have the reference there. But for sake of time, at 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1 through 3, Paul addressed this in the Corinthian church, and he said, I, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed, fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men. So some believers have uh, refused to grow up there in maturity, and that's because they are carnal. Uh, Hebrews 5, verse 11 through 13, the writer of Hebrews. Uh, told those there that there he says uh, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For in the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful. In the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So growing ought to be uh, a part of our lives as believers.
So some believers are babes in Christ. Some believers, number two, are backsliders from Christ. Now, we don't like that word, but a backslider is one who has been saved, and they may even have matured at one time to some extent, but for some reason, they're not living as close to the Lord as they once were. I remember a sign many years ago as I was on my drive uh, uh, in the country uh, going between Valdosta and uh, Brunswick, Georgia, and it was in the little town of Hoboken, at the Hoboken Baptist Church there. And it said, if you're not as close to the Lord as you once were, who moved? You know, good question, right? God didn't, certainly didn't move. We're the ones that move. And uh, but some folks, uh, maybe they've matured, but they're, they're not living as close as they once were, and they need to get back to the Lord. We usually don't stand still in our relationship to the Lord. We are either moving forward or we're moving backward. Uh, when Billy Sunday, he's a uh, famous evangelist, he was also a professional baseball player, uh, he was, when he was converted, there was a saintly man that told him, he said, Billy, if you never want to backslide, you do three things every day. You read the Bible. Let God speak to you through his word at least 15 minutes a day. You talk to him in prayer at least 15 minutes every day. And you spend at least 15 minutes every day telling somebody about Jesus Christ. He said, Billy, you'll never have a backslider written after your name. You do these things. And... Uh, Billy Sunday said, you know, he said, I've been sliding into a lot of bases. He said, I've been sliding into a lot of bases for a long time. I don't plan to slide out of any of them. And uh, uh, that's, a, that's a good thought there. But uh, some believers are babes in Christ. Some believers are backsliders from Christ. And then number three, some believers are builders for Christ. And that's what we need to be. They're diligently going about the business of adding to their faith, to building their Christian life. I want to encourage you today to be a builder. These things that we're talking about, to add to your faith. Don't let it go in one ear and out the other. Uh, don't think that you've arrived. None of us have. Here in our text, Peter tells us how we are to be adding to our faith and, and what we are to be adding to our faith. And here we find seven things that we should add to our faith. And I, I want to focus on the first thing that we're told to be uh, diligent in adding to our faith. Uh, Peter says there that we are add to our faith virtue there in verse number 5 of our text. Again, the foundation is faith. You've got to have the foundation first. Let me encourage you, if you're not saved, come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't start trying to add these things to your life because if you don't have the foundation, it's not going to happen. But with faith in Christ uh, that results in our salvation, that is the foundation. Then with diligence, we begin this process of adding to our faith, and we are to add to our faith, first of all, virtue. Virtue. Now if we're going to do that, we must clearly understand what Peter is talking about when he's speaking about virtue. Amen? I mean, don't you want to know what, what is this that we're supposed to be adding? In defining virtue, let me emphasize two things. First of all, virtue is an attitude that we need to have. Virtue is an attitude that we need to have. The attitude we approach things with certainly makes a difference in our life. Don't you agree? 
I mean, attitude is everything. I know if you've got a bad attitude when you go to work, you're not going to accomplish what you ought to accomplish that day. If you've got a good attitude, you've got more, more possibility of accomplishing things, right? Attitude has a lot to do with what we are able to achieve. Virtue is an attitude we need to have. The term virtue, as used in this verse, refers to the courageous pursuit of moral excellence. The courageous pursuit of moral excellence. The, the outward expression of virtue begins with an inner attitude, or we could say a mindset that says, you know what, I want to do what is right. I want to do what is right. That's a good thing. To, when you're starting out as a believer, you ought to want to do what's right. You ought to want to obey the Lord. Amen. If we never determine that we're going to do the right thing, chances are very great that we will never do the right thing, but we'll do what comes natural. What comes natural? For us to just walk after our flesh, walk in the fleshly desires that we have. That's not the way that the Lord would have us to walk. We're to walk the way He would have us to walk, and that is to walk in the right thing. So Peter basically is saying here, we need to add to our faith a desire, a desire or the attitude to do what is right. I want to do what is right. And let me let me show you a biblical illustration of this. Look, look at Luke chapter number 19 with me. Turn to Luke chapter number 19, and you'll notice that this is the, the story of Zacchaeus, a very very familiar story when you was a kid growing up, and if you grew up in church, is one of one of the favorites. Uh, the little Zacchaeus, and you know when you were back when the story was being told, you were little too, you know. And you you read about Zacchaeus being little and wanting to see Jesus, and uh, climbed up in the sycamore tree and was able to see Jesus, and all things that were associated with that. And it was a, it's a great story. But uh, here in the story of Zacchaeus, uh, I want us to walk through the story together. We're going to read the first 10 verses here, and then we'll come back and take a look at what it has to say, okay? Look at verse number 1, at Luke chapter number 19, verse number 1, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans. In other words, he was a tax collector, and he was rich. Uh, they, they were usually rich because they were dishonest. <laughs> says in verse 3, And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was a little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, Make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when uh, they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. Yeah? And if, they, if, if the Lord had gone with them, he would still be going to be with sinners. Amen? Uh, look at verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood... And said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. 
And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Well, we see that description of Zacchaeus there in the first three verses and he lived in Jericho made a good living as a chief publican and uh, he was rich and short uh, but uh, Zacchaeus only friends were likely only other publicans Amen. they only hung around with each other because nobody else wanted to be around them they were despised he was looked at as being a traitor by his own people because he was being used by the Roman government to oppress his own people with burdensome taxes. I'm sure his mom and dad didn't want to have anything to do with him either. And they probably had great plans for Zacchaeus and, and uh, thought that maybe he might grow up to, to, to do something great for the Lord. And here he is collecting taxes, uh, taking and, and robbing from, the, uh, from God's people. Uh, so we see the description of Zacchaeus there. Then we see the desire of Zacchaeus, uh, Zacchaeus there in verse number 3. The desire of Zacchaeus. He wanted to see Jesus, who he was, it says. If he apparently had heard about this man named Jesus, and he wanted to size him up for himself. Can you imagine the talk that was going around about Jesus and all that was happening and you know, the many that were being healed and uh, people having demons cast out of them. Uh, and he, he wanted to find out what the big hoopla was about, about Jesus. He wanted to see him for himself. He probably knew he had some needs personally also as well. However, he, he, had, given, he had a problem here. The, the, the crowd got in his way, but it, he didn't give up. And even though the crowd got in his way, he decided, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see him. And so we see the determination of Zacchaeus there in verse number 4. He exerted himself just to see Jesus. He had to climb up a sycamore tree. And, uh, we, and we notice what it led to there in verses 5 through 10 that we read. Uh, we see the decision of Zacchaeus. Now, I want you, don't want you to miss this. The old Zacchaeus was no more. When he met Jesus here. He was a new man. After he met Jesus. Verse 8. Is really important here. Let's read it again. Zacchaeus stood. And said unto the Lord. Behold Lord. The half of my goods. I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything. From any man. By false accusation. I restore him. Fourfold. So. You know, he, it tells us of the new attitude. Zacchaeus had. He had a desire to make restitution for what he had stolen. He had a desire also to, to help poor folks out. He never had that desire before. That's virtue. He had a desire to do the right thing. And when he gave testimony of his intentions to Jesus, notice how Jesus responded there in verse number 9. Jesus confirmed the salvation of Zacchaeus. Now, how, how did Jesus know? Jesus knows our heart. See? All the people could hear was what the words that uh, Zacchaeus was, was saying. The Lord Jesus could read his heart and know that a transaction had taken place there. He had believed on the Lord Jesus. We see that virtue is an attitude we must have. 
if we're going to mature as believers and become effective servants of Jesus. Here, here we see and this decision for, for salvation included virtue for Zacchaeus. And, and we ought to have virtue as well. So virtue is an attitude that we must have. Second thing, virtue is an action that we must take. It's an action that we must take. We need more than just an attitude. Well, I want to do what's right. What we need to do is put that attitude into action in our life. Inwardly, virtue is an attitude that we need, but outwardly, virtue is an action that we must take. Remember that virtue is the pursuit of moral excellence. If you say in your mind, you know, now that I'm saved, I need to pursue uh, a life like Christ. That's, that's moral excellence, isn't it? It, for, it just is. Uh, uh, inwardly, we desire to do what's right, but outwardly, we demonstrate what is right. It's being holy in an unholy world. There, a few pages back uh, in your scripture in 1 Peter 1. Look at 1 Peter 1 real quick in verse number 13 through 16 here. Peter had told these folks earlier in his first epistle, he says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. In other words, don't be a sloppy thinker is what that is giving a picture of. Be, he said, be sober and, and hope to the end for the, the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're, we're not be sloppy in our thinking, but we're to be, we're to, we're to be uh, 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 sober in our thinking. Amen. Look at verse 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. We all want to be what the Lord would have us to be. And the Lord would have us to be like Jesus, to be conformed to his image. That is the goal, to be conformed to the image of Christ. Does it take place all at one time? No, it's a gradual step by step. Somebody, somebody said, well, uh, uh, how, does, how does that take place? Just, it's just one, one chipping away of uh, the things that don't look like Jesus in our life at a time. Uh, it reminds me of a story of uh, a sculptor who was, uh, he had a big rock, and he was uh, sculpting something. The fellow came by and said, "What? What you doing?" He said, "I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm chipping this into a, a uh, an elephant." He said, "Well, how do you do that?" He said, "Well, you chip away all the places that don't look like an elephant." Okay, that seems simplistic, I know, but in our lives, we need to chip away those things that do not do not look like Christ. Amen. If you're going to be in the image of Christ, we need to. Uh, rid ourselves of the things that don't look like Christ and to put on the person of Christ. Amen. Put him on. So uh, there was a little girl that was one time uh, spending some time with her grandma and, and while she was sitting in her lap, she, had, she said, Grandma, I love you so much. You're so pretty. And the thin and wrinkled grandma laughed and said, Honey, that's sweet of you to say, but I'm not pretty. And the little girl responded, Oh, yes, you are. You're pretty on the inside. You're pretty on the inside. God wants us to be pretty on the inside, so pretty that it shows up on the outside. Amen? That's what we're to be. We can't grow spiritually 
like we all should if we play around with sin. Listen, if, you, if you're going to dabble in sin and dabble in disobedience, you're not going to grow like you ought to grow. Sin always stops spiritual progress. We must not play with sin. Sin may look appealing, and it does appeal to our flesh, but remember where it leads. Sin traps us. It addicts us. It enslaves us. It destroys us. Don't try to live on the edge of sin. Get as far away from it as you possibly can. Those who live life on the edge are in danger of a fall. Let's have a passion for virtue. Now, verse 3 of, uh, of the chapter that we're in, Second Peter there in chapter number 1, notice back in verse number 3, what it says, and get back on the right page here. Uh, verse three says, uh, "According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness." Notice through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and what virtue. We've been called to virtue, uh, and that glory is His glory. Give him the glory. Virtue is moral excellence and is something that people know about us. Um, On Wednesday night right now, we just began the book of Ruth. We're going to see later when we get into Ruth chapter number 3, we're going to see Boaz say this to Ruth. He says, And now my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. So, uh, uh, Ruth became a believer. Uh, she was a Moabitess, um, and uh, she repented of her sin. She trusted the Lord, and uh, she she was a virtuous woman. Proverbs twelve verse number four talks about a virtuous woman as a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness to his bones. Listen, why do why what do people know about us as they see us? live our life when they see you live your life what do they see do they see anything different about you than uh than themselves do they see us going in a different direction than the rest of the world they ought to we ought to be we ought to be going in the direction of the lord amen so let's add virtue to our faith let's pray father we thank you this morning for uh, the uh, information that uh, Scripture gives us, the knowledge that it gives us. And Lord, as we study, things become clear. And, and Lord, uh, when, when you say we need to be diligent about adding these things to our faith, it, it just makes sense that virtue would be right on top. Lord, if we're saved, we ought to have a desire to be different than we once were. We'll have a desire to be more like the one that we have trusted and Lord, give us that virtue uh, that's not only an attitude, but Lord, that leads from the attitude to the actions in our life. And it shows forth that virtue in the things that we do. Now, Lord, we know that belong, that uh, begins first when we um, have that foundation of faith. And if there's somebody here today that doesn't have that foundation, help them to come and receive the foundation, Jesus Christ, so that they might have a a right foundation to build their life upon, a foundation that's other 
than sinking sand. Because all other ground is sinking sand when compared to the Lord Jesus Christ. Just have your way in this invitation we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.